right, welcome back to the sixth ever Me and My Friends podcast. This is your host, Mike Phillips, recording live from my steaming hot southeast Portland apartment. We had a 93 degree day today, and as we begin recording this podcast, in the far off distance, you can hear a fan spinning because we could just not bear uh, trying to deal with this steam room in here today. Uh, My guest, Sean Gronick, is a local Portland barber, stylist, esthetician, however you want to frame it. He does everything. And uh, he's been doing my hair, or what's left of it, uh, for the past uh, probably year or so. I've been kind of following you around wherever you go. And um, it's it's really helped out with my life um and i really enjoy having great conversations with you every month or so when i come visit and um today we're going to be exploring some major career moves for you uh some incredibly bold moves that you are partaking in that will uh ensure that your future will be bright and in your control which is quite a mighty fine thing so uh sean welcome Thank you so much for having me here today, Mike. Oh my God, you have such a great radio voice. Do I sound like I'm on old time radio? <laughs> oh God, yeah, you do actually. Um, I like it. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to be here and not canceling, uh, considering how hot it is outside today. Oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, you were saying earlier before we started recording that you actually like the heat. I do. I do. I've been chasing it for years. Yeah, and that's that's pretty bold for a man uh, born in England. Yes. And um, while we're on the topic, uh, what about an accent? Can you do a good English accent? I can't. Okay. My, uh, you know, my problem is I can't hear the English accent all that what? well. What? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. But I have been complimented. I've been complimented uh, on my Irish accent okay. by Irish people. Whoa. <laughs> Do uh, both of your folks have um, English accents? No, just my mother. My father's from California. Okay, cool. What about a California accent then? Can you do that? Oh, yeah, like totally. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, before we, we dive into this, um, this podcast, uh, which we already have, obviously, but, uh, you know, I, I just, what I do is I start talking down a path and then I'm desperately trying to remember what I'm saying as I'm saying it. And I, it's a hard activity for me, but I'm doing my best. Anyways, that said, um, I'm, I'm coming off of a really rough, uh, dating week and I thought that would be Ooh. kind of a fun topic to begin with. That always makes a great story. Yeah, and I'll tell you what my ultimate fantasy is while I'm speaking with you here. There's just the two of us. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was dating this gal. Uh, we had a couple what I thought were really uh, successful dates. Um, I was really enthusiastic about her, and I told her as much. Um, and then when we were supposed to get together for the fourth date, the confirmation uh, text message, um, after I asked where I was taking her to dinner, it just never arrived. It never arrived. And um, and then I, I knew at that point that she was just kind of over it. That That's kind of like um, the unspoken dating rule in today's society. People oftentimes um, don't go the extra step to say like, Hey, I'm not really that into you. They just, they ghost, they do the Irish goodbye, not to use a (laughs) racial slur or whatever that is. 
No, I'm from England. <laughs> You're yeah. quite all right to use. <laughs> we knock the Irish just on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've been going through my dating uh, past with friends and they're like, well, you know, you've told people that you didn't like them after a couple dates, too. So, like, I, I can't really necessarily feel bad about it, I guess. Um, but that's getting to my ultimate fantasy. And my ultimate fantasy is that, and this is going to be just disgusting that I even think about this kind of stuff, but I'm hoping that she's going to come, uh, during the middle of this podcast and knock on the door. Um, and, uh, you know, try to, try to be like, Hey, I'm sorry about what happened. Um, I wasn't in my right headspace and I'd like to see if I could make this work. And what I'm really hoping is that when she comes in, um, I could have you go into the other room, uh, not let her know that the microphones are rolling and then have uh, just like a killer real down to earth podcast special on, uh, love and romance. That would be, uh, a lawsuit. It sounds like, (laughs) is it, is it absolutely disgusting that I even fantasize about things like that after going on only three dates? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're just being honest. Yeah, I know. I'm, it's pathetic. Um, but anyways, uh, let me look at my notes here. Um, so <laughs> how is, uh, Sean, where are you from? How long have you lived in, um, in Oregon and Portland? Well, the short story is, so I was born in Huddersfield, England and, uh, Huddersfield's little claim to fame that I think people would find interesting is that also Patrick Stewart is from there. Um, maybe a couple other celebrities, but I don't know who they are. Uh, moved to California when I was a baby and when I was in about second grade, we moved up to Newburgh, Oregon, and I have lived in Newburgh or Portland off and on since the mid eighties. Okay, cool. And, uh, I, I know because we, we've been, um, doing the haircutting exchange for a while. I give you hair, you take it off my head. Um, <laughs> I collect, <laughs> yeah, you collect you. Mike, this is <laughs> the Mike pile. Yeah. From May, 2014. <laughs> you have a filing cabinet with everybody's <laughs> hair that you've ever cut. I've seen it. It's weird, but I, it's charming at it's the same time. It's only weird at first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I know because I know you that you, you haven't always been a hair stylist. You actually, uh, went down to LA for a while and I'm wondering if you could, uh, share a little bit about that experience. Yeah. Um, so before I got into hair, I had the, uh, the dream of working for Hollywood. I, uh, let's see, let me think about how this story needs to go. Now we're on the air thinking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Things to edit out later. So, uh, I mean, was it one of those experiences down in Hollywood where you, um, you had your one chance and blew it or was it something that was just kind of like a grinding fantasy coming to a, to a halt? Yeah. Um, It's, um, see, Los Angeles is an interesting city and you know, just hundreds of people go there every month, just just tons of people are rolling in and the city chews them up. I went down there not really knowing anybody in uh, 2008. And I had this, just this fantasy of, I wanted to work for Wes Anderson. I wanted to get my own show on the travel channel. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just, I just had these ideas that I, I, I know I can, I, I can do art. I'm an artiste. 
and uh, I was going to see how far I could get with that. Did you go to um, school for these things, or did you just like no, just go down time. there to try to fulfill a fantasy? Just I went down there. I just loaded up my car. Wow. Um, thought I had a place to stay. Went down to went down to Los Angeles. Um, while on the road to Los Angeles, the place that I thought I had to stay for a couple of weeks uh, fell through. Hmm. And I had absolutely nowhere to stay. So mm. I just called up my buddy over in Vegas. We've known each other for a long time. And I was just like, Nate, I'm going to be, I'm going to be at your house in uh, five hours. And he was just like, great. I'll have the couch ready for you. And so I just drove straight through LA off to Vegas. I stayed there for a week. Um, Craig's listing up places to stay in LA. Uh, then I packed up all my stuff after about five days in Vegas, went over to LA found a place <laughs> a spot underneath somebody rented to me for $550 a month I got to sleep under their stairs like Harry Potter <laughs> what and I did that for a month and a half I slept under the stairs oh my god have you seen that film the people under the stairs <laughs> I have not <laughs> oh, it sounds scary <laughs> yeah it's a horror film um but anyways go on um and then I just I uh got to know the neighbors in the apartment complex and I helped my, my neighbor was moving downstairs. He was moving to downstairs to a two bedroom. I helped him move. And a couple weeks later, he and I were just talking one day over, over porch beverages. And he was saying that things hadn't gone quite as he had hoped and that he was going to need to rent out that second bedroom. Oh. And so I got it. And then it also turned out that he is an art director. So that means he draws the pictures like on a blueprint for how the sets are going to be. And I showed him my portfolio and he liked it enough to where he gave me a chance. And, Holy cow. Uh, so, and he worked for Discovery Channel. Like you don't work just for one channel and you don't even work for the channel. I work for a place called Pilgrim Films and Television, but they work a lot with uh, Discovery Channel just because they're like the low bidder. Mm -hmm. And um, so he tried me out on that and I got to do like little bits here and there of various TV shows and got to meet the crew that they generally work with and they liked me. And then I got to work on uh, Bear Grylls, try to do a, a spin-off of Man vs. Wild. Bear Grylls did a show called Worst Case Scenario. And who's Bear Grylls again? Bear Grylls is the British survivalist who's always drinking his own pee. Oh, squeezing water like out of elephant a, dung as a like a bar trick. He's drinking his own pee or survival. <laughs> as a little as a little survival, huh. little survival. He's always eating like uh, basically the foulest of. He'll pick grubs out of just these horrible looking things. He'll, he's picking grubs out of bark and eating them, drinking his pee. Uh, <laughs> that's one that everyone makes fun of. Like it's like memes. You can find Bear Grill memes out there. Yeah, and nobody even wants him to demonstrate these things. He's just doing it because he's <laughs> they're <weird>. like Bear. <laughs> <laughs> the scene is you're hosting a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to drink my own pee here. <laughs> this is this is my favorite part. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so well, they tried to do a spinoff, and it was called Worst Case Scenario. And I guess <laughs> again about drinking piss at a dinner party, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, okay, I'll stop. What do you I'll do stop. when your dinner party is bombing? <laughs> you guys will love this party trick. Okay. Get me a glass. Uh, we. <laughs> Sorry. So it was. Uh, it was. Uh, reality television show which Bear Grylls shows how he would survive <laughs> sorry I can't help it it's alright 
I'm just I'm impressed by how much you're enjoying the. Beat. I know it's just it's a uh-huh. weird metal image. Uh, we would so I guess it was a board game or a book back in the day, maybe the '80s or the '90s. I mean, it shows you how much I even know about the show that I worked on. Um, but it was just like, what would you do if there was if you're attacked by wild dogs? What would you do if there was an earthquake and you're in the basement? What would you do if there was an auto wreck or your car goes over the barrier and into the ocean while you're still in it? And so what we would do was uh, be set up these scenarios, and. Uh, <laughs> Stop thinking about that dinner party. Sorry. Um, sorry, I don't mean to do that. No, it's all right. So we would set up these scenarios um, and just try and make them look as, as, as authentic as possible. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, we're setting up these scenes for Bear to... Like, there's, like, a crane holding the car, like, half submerged in the water. And uh, the the earthquake was just the shaking camera. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Was the piss really lemonade? I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, now I question. (laughs) I question everything now. (laughs) Wow. Nothing's been the same ever since. But, no, this is where I learned. I don't know if people want to hear this but uh reality television is scripted yeah and they just changed the name of people's positions so like the director i don't know what they actually called it but he'd be like head screen supervisor or something like that they just give everybody like these uh they give them these names that are arbitrary but it's still the director the assistant director the whatever yeah um and i was in the art department i was the assistant to art director which also translates to the bottom rung of the ladder. And it was very exciting. I'd never been in this position before, and uh, I got to see how things are done. I had a great time. Bear Grylls would be there in the morning. Be, Good morning, Sean. <laughs> he learned everybody's name. He was really, really nice to work with. You hear stories about celebrities being one way or another. Bear Grylls is awesome. Wow. He's cool. the nicest guy. He gave us all autographed knives at the end of the... No uh, way. When, yeah, when we finished the season. And, uh, and the other fun thing was they weren't denying this one that it was reality TV. And so the final two minutes of every episode uh, was us working. And so that was kind of fun. Like, just got to... Just for a fraction of a second as the camera scans over the group, I would be like, now if you pause right here and just squint your eyes, there's me. Wow, that's a claim to fame right there. Yeah, that was my 15 minutes. My 15 minutes, I got a phone call one day and they were just like, so Sean, we're just letting you know uh, today, uh, well, tomorrow's, tomorrow's episode is going to have you on it. And so I was very excited. I called it my debut. Wow. And in the middle of the episode, for about eight seconds, I wheel the bicycle into the stuntmen, and then I walk away. <laughs> that, was my, that was my acting debut. It was a big moment. It, um, is there a clip of that online somewhere? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we're going to... Somewhere online. I honestly don't know where it is. Um, well, I'll have my staff track that down for the yeah. listening audience. If you go to the website, www.meandmyfriendspodcast.com, we will include a link to that eight-second uh, scene. That would be awesome. I would love to see it again. It's been I haven't seen this in years. Yeah, that would be really cool. I love looking at myself. <laughs> um, and and so so you you were obviously working on a real cool TV show. It, it was a lot of fun. Hey, you know what? This 
my whole world's coming together because I remember one of the last times I got my hair cut, you gave me a survival rope bracelet. Did you learn that from the TV show? You know, I actually learned that from a different survival place. I learned that from Andy and Bex. Wow. Are you? I was looking for things for the family to do. We were having uh, a little, one of our, one of our awkward family get togethers. And um, I learned how to make those from Andy and Bex. I was walking through the store. They had a little uh, printout on how to make them and just sort of on the whim. Okay. Seven dollars. Okay, I, supplies. I, I was gonna uh, gonna ask next if you were like a, a survivalist type person because there's a lot of this survivalist thing in your nature. Um, but now that I know that that was completely random, I'm not gonna go in that direction. Yeah, well, I am a little bit. Oh, uh, my father is a Vietnam veteran, mm-hmm. and uh, he was in heavy combat. Mm-hmm. for the vast majority of his time in Vietnam. Oh, wow. And um, so I was just raised with somebody who really, like we would go camping and it's like he's like sets up a perimeter. Really? And uh, ever since I was a kid, like he just showing me how to shoot, how to clean guns, how to start a fire. I, I have, by my desk at home, I have flint and steel so I can practice doing a little striking. Wow. Um so you were perfect for this TV show then. So what happened? <laughs> well, so it was, you know, it was this dream. It was this dream come true. And we would work 13 or 13 and a half hours a day minimum. I got paid $125 a day. Whoa. For 13 or 13 and a half hours, oh, depending if we were on good. location or off location. Um, and even with those hours, I had overtime every single day. And, uh, I, as I, I was in it, I got to do the, I was in it for about a year and a half, two years, somewhere in there, not quite two years. And I really got a, a solid taste of what the industry was like. Mm-hmm. And I just started to realize that like, you know, I got to sit there and look at it from the bottom rung of this ladder. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Where were the positions that I could go? And what was like, where would this go? And I started, because you don't have a resume there, you just have contacts. And I, towards the end, I had three contacts, and that's kind of the beginning of having, that's three people who will now call you for work. I was in a position now that I was like, do I want to invest myself and go all in? And I realized that I was just done, and that this was yeah. this dream job of mine, and like, uh, sometimes I'd work 85 hour weeks, not including LA traffic, tra- tra- traffic. Uh, I would do 85 hour weeks, and you just, to relax from this, I was cutting hair. Wow. And I just, I was self-taught and I just, um, really just got into like, just that's, I love cutting hair. I wouldn't charge anything to do it. It just really relaxed me. It put me into Zen. I like the conversation. <clears throat> I like the conversation. Um, and, uh, I got to, uh, I just, I got to relax. Yeah. And I got to, I got to make these creations that I would then, you know, I'd see them on the street and I just loved it. And uh, so about like, you know, like less than two years into my stay in in Los Angeles, I got to know my buddy's girlfriend and I just started to realize like, you know, just kind of get to know somebody, you start to put everything together. I'm just like, she's 22 years old. I observe that she drives a nice Lexus. I observe that she owns a condo and she also has free time. Like that's my, I was like, I don't really care so much about the Lexus. I don't really care so much about, it would be nice to own a home one day, but you you also have all this and you can take four days off. Like, what are you doing? I, I make a, f- 
a few coins over minimum wage. Yeah. And I'm working for something that I've aspired to. And it was just, this person has it figured out. And then I started to get to know her and I was like, oh, she tells me she's a stylist. And I was like, oh, there's money and there's time. And there's, this is what I love to do even more than I love television. Mm -hmm. And I picked her brain about it for about three hours that night and drove her a little crazy. Um, I went home that night and I spent another two or three hours online just applying to schools and doing my research. And by the end of the week, I had applied to five or six schools, realized I had to move back to the Portland area in order to be able to afford to live and study. When when uh, was this? This was uh, 2010. Okay. Um, And yeah, so this was at the end of 2010. And within 45 days, I was signed up for uh, the January class 2011 at Aveda here in Portland. Okay, cool. Um, I've known some other people that have done the Aveda thing. It sounds like a pretty uh, fun group of people to be uh, learning with. Had a great time. Yeah. Had a great time. Keep in touch with a lot of my classmates. And uh, we keep... keep motivating each other we keep encouraging each other we'll have little classes together like on new techniques that we've learned yeah we're all going to head off to trampoline world down in beaverton <laughs> here next week it's it's a really it's, it's good people to know nice yeah and so uh what was your first uh professional job then after that i worked for dosha and uh-huh. i worked there for five weeks oh really and it was nothing against dosha it was just i don't want to be a stylist Once I became a stylist, I realized I don't want to be a stylist. I want to be a barber. Were you doing men and women then? I'm not really familiar with the terminology. Uh, Yeah, stylist tends to do women's hair because you're capable of coloring and updos. And technically, I'm licensed to do nails and other types of various chemical services. But I was really just most relaxed and just having the most natural conversations when I had just a guy sitting in my chair. Mm -hmm. And... I just realized that the styling world wasn't the direction I, I was supposed to go. And so I went and got a job um, at Bishop's and just started to, which is still kind of, it's kind of a salon still because you're still doing colors. You're still doing a lot of women's hair, but you're doing a lot of men's hair there. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was kind of able to perfect my skills. I'm endlessly thankful to Bishop's for giving me a chance when I was brand new. And uh, I'm also very apologetic to my, my early clients. <laughs> So one of the things that I'm really curious about, uh, you know, you're dealing with the general public when you cut people's hair. Um, and I know from people who are bartenders, they're dealing with the general public. And sometimes it can get quite hairy. Uh, excuse the pun. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I hear these awful stories from bartenders about people who come in and they're drunk and they're mean and they do awful things and they don't leave a tip and you know just all around awful and i i work at a desk all day so i don't know how people deal with it but you you're in a situation where you have to cut their hair it's like kind of a deeply personal relationship and you also have sharp scissors and and i'm curious if you have any funny stories about uh having to cut the hair of an unruly customer you know it's funny i'm i am insured for about a million dollars in case i cut anybody (laughs) and i've always had this fantasy that uh your fantasy is that the, the lady walks through the front door during <laughs> yeah. this. My fantasy is that I get this, 
this one police cop uh, who <laughs> he gave me a ticket that I did not deserve. I've always had this fantasy about just getting there and cutting his ear a little bit. And being, Don't worry, I'm insured. <laughs> um, and just uh, for the record, that is a joke. Um, that is a joke. I would never cut anybody. Yeah, we have an overly uh, politically correct society these days. Um, I, I've made some really bad jokes in previous podcasts that might cost me uh, my job at some point. Um, so I just want to make sure that we don't cost you yours. No, no, no. I would never cut anybody. But have you ever had um, yeah, a I, traumatic yeah, experience where you're just like, oh my God, how do I get through this customer? We had this guy. I worked, I worked at a barbershop for a year and a half. And I had this guy. And for some reason, he would always come to me. But he never was very happy with the job that I did. But he wouldn't try anyone else out. Um, and I tried every technique that I had to like get them to just leave me alone. Uh, the haircut was never right. And then I always remember at the end, he would often tip me $2 and say, he'd give me two bucks and he'd be like, maybe you'll get it right next time. Wow. And he'd give me $2. And so my technique was just simply, I just, I didn't thank him. I didn't tell him my name. I didn't welcome him to come back. And I definitely didn't give him my card. I just tried to like disappear into the woodwork. Um, and I would just be like, <laughs> I don't know. I would just say like, have a good day or just something like that. And then just kind of disappear. Wow. Um, but he knew who I was. Um, thankfully after three or four visits and, uh, six to $8 in tips later, <laughs> I shouldn't complain about that though. I, I don't care how much people tip me. It was just, he was such an asshole about it. Um, can I just say that I didn't know you were supposed to tip, uh, barbers until late college um, when I randomly went to get a haircut with a friend and then he slipped him some money and I was like whoa what'd you do that for and he's like well you always tip your barber yeah and I was it's, like what you do I didn't know that it's a tricky topic for me to I, I don't like talking about tipping because I happen to be in a heavy tipping industry and <clears throat> So I just feel like I have to very gingerly toe a line <coughs> when I talk about that. So I like to just kind of stay away from it because I don't expect, I don't expect a tip. And if someone I have, there's people who now that I work from home and I just charge my own set prices, I have people who see me on the regular. They love the service that I do. They don't tip me. And I just, I don't care. It's the quality of our conversation of our interaction is fantastic. And I always look forward to seeing them again. Um, and there's some people who tip me way too much and I feel bad. I'm just like, mm -hmm. I don't know why there's this so much is being, is being offered and I'm appreciative, but it makes me feel very, very awkward and I don't know how to respond. And I always feel like I just start giving them products to kind of compensate. I'm just like, here, I made this, take it, just take this oil that I made. You must be um, touching their head in a very special kind of way or something. Maybe I have magic fingers. <laughs> Um, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I keep coming back. All right, back. there you go. Um, the other thing about tipping, though, it, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm a small town guy living in the big city or what, but I also didn't realize until about a year ago that you're supposed to tip uh, the gas station attendant. Um, apparently, that's a thing here in Oregon because uh, for those people listening internationally and nationally, uh, Oregon is one of the few states in the country, one of two, I believe, maybe even the only one um, after some recent political moves. But 
regardless, we do not pump our own gas. We have somebody who does that for us. You know, that's, that's so interesting. I go to the same gas station. It's at the end of my street. I go there every time. And I, I roll up on my scooter and scooterists... You're, like if you have a motorcycle or scooter, you're supposed to pump your own gas. But like, I'll run the card. I just do everything myself. I love it. I love pumping my own gas. I hate other people having to, waiting for other people to do such an easy task that I have done for years. And uh, but I I like to tip those guys a buck or two every time that I fill up. But just because they're so nice and just kind of leave me alone, mm -hmm. I'm just like, here's money to leave me alone. I can just do this all myself. <laughs> but I didn't know this. I just did that because I thought I was just being extra nice. I didn't realize it was expected. And maybe I'm actually yeah. the jerk. He's like, here's well, this guy. I did have an ex-girlfriend who liked to point out things that I did wrong. And that was one of the things she liked to focus on. Um, she's the one that taught me to tip people. So maybe it isn't expected. Maybe it was just one of those digs <laughs> that um, I wasn't really aware of. But, you know, I had a really weird experience tipping recently because I didn't have any dollar bills. Um, and I had quarters that I was going to use for laundry. Um, and so what I did is the guy filled up my tank and then he handed me the receipt. And I said, hey, man, here's a tip. And I put four quarters in his hand. And I said, I hope laundry day is coming up soon. <laughs> And <laughs> I hope he didn't like misinterpret no, that. Or he something. immediately started tugging at his vest, um, which was like one of those orange safety vests that had grease on the front of it. Yeah. But he was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I probably should get this washed. And at that point, I just kind of drove off. But I was like, oh, <laughs> man, I just made that guy feel really awkward. But your intent was good. Yeah. That, you it, know, I actually, so I get the case. I get tipped in quarters by a few of my clients and but I welcome it. And I, I tell them because I do have laundry to do and I'm just like quarters are such a hassle to get and uh, so I actually I greatly welcome quarters mm -hmm. loose quarters rolls of quarters yeah quarters with pocket lint I don't care I love quarters <laughs> well take note uh, listening audience those of you based here in the fabulous Rose City um, but you know perhaps the most interesting uh, bit of news that, that makes this interview so newsy is that uh, you have something major going on with your business, the Badger and Boar. Uh, would you like to talk about that? I would love to. Um, I've been working out of my home for the past nine and a half months, and I have recently made the transition. I just got the keys two days ago. Uh, I've got my own shop. It is not open yet. But it is called the Badger and Boar, and we are going to be located on 33rd and Division. And uh, it was when I was offered the place, my friend, my, one of my friends, I didn't, I didn't even ask for it. One of my friends works for a company that represents it and said, hey, are you interested in, are you interested in getting a shop? I, I, heard, I heard that you were looking, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure, what do you got? And she said, well, I've got a place on 33rd and Division, and I just texted her back, sold. And she said, don't you want to see it first? And I was like, you said 33rd and Division? I was like, no, we're good. And um, it, it's funny because it's actually maybe the worst location in Portland. But it's the worst location in the best location. So I'm on 33rd and Division. I'm behind Salt and Straw. Mm. Salt and Straw has a little uh, courtyard right next to it. And at the back of the courtyard is a flight of stairs that goes up to a balcony. You go up to the balcony, hang a right. And there's my shop. So it's it's off the street. It's very quiet, very peaceful back there. Um, 
Well, they, it's just a matter of getting people to go there the first time. Will so they let system. you put any signage up so that people know that you're there? They're very nice about that. They give me three signs. One for my door, one for the front of the building, and I can put an A-frame out oh, on the sidewalk. that is so cool. Oh, an A-frame, too. Yeah. Wow, that is great. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar with the Badger and Boar, you have a really interesting philosophy behind uh, you know, your vision for what this yeah. will be. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. The Badger and Boar... Um, Obviously very British sounding. Very, it has a very British sound to it. The Badger and Boar, I guess for those who don't know, I, uh, the name comes after shaving brushes. High quality shaving brushes are often made out of badger hair or boar hair. And so after a number of combinations of words, uh, eventually settled on Badger and Boar. Um, yeah, I was originally going to have a British theme to the place. Um, I really, I've always liked, it's, it's such a specific era, like mid-50s, 1850s, India, uh, England's colonialization of India. Like you had just this beautiful white walls, rattan furniture, dark hardwoods, white cloth accents. I was going to go for this. And then I found the location, um, the 33rd Division location. I went up the stairs, I, went, I sat inside this room by myself, and I just, it was just so quiet and so peaceful, you can't hear, you can hear nothing of the sidewalk noise, all the bustle, all the 500 people a day going to Salt and Straw, all the cars, it's just so quiet. And I was just like, I don't know if, I don't know if just the actual essence of peace can be a theme to a place, but I realized that's really, that's really what this location has going for it. Um, so I'm not going with any specific theme. It's going to be just a little more eclectic, kind of like my house. Um, a couple of wood fixtures, a couple of Ikea things. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's going to come together nicely. We'll see construction is now underway. Wow. And I hope to have it open in a couple of weeks. I hope to be open. Yeah, what is month. your target open date? Target, I'm just going to say vaguely end of the month. End of June. End of June, which um, I think that's about two and a half weeks away. Okay. No, today's the 8th. So, yeah, about three weeks away. Okay. So, I'm right hoping at, to be open. That'll be right about the time I probably air this podcast. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be really cool. Hopefully, we can scare up some customers for you. That'd be wonderful. Um, it's a really awesome location. It'd be really cool if you could rig up some sort of pulley system where you could lower a bucket and then the people from Salt and Straw could fill it up and then you could just like hand crank it I'm back worried. Up. I'm worried about the, the battle of the bulge only gets worse now I that know. I'm 36. And now I've got downstairs, I've got the Salt and Straw. And right next to it is this coffee shop, and they have phenomenal pastries. They, oh, the, and the French one. The French one. They are they are legit. What are they called? I go there all the time, and I can never remember their name because it's French. It's like Mont something. Or uh, maybe you could stall the audience while I Google it. Um, um, what's your favorite French pastry? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> maybe... Um, Tell us a little more about your Yeah, space. so uh, the Badger and Boar is going to have a couple of things that is separate that separates it from the from a lot of barbershops that you see popping up right now. Um, try not to not take ourselves too seriously. We're not going to have a dress code. Um, we're we're going to kind of steer away from the old-timey the old-timey barbershop that I see a lot of going on, which I think is just beautiful and a staple in the barbering industry but i do see a lot of it so i'm going to try and just go a little bit away from that um if for no other reason just to separate myself from the herd that much more because there's going to be plenty of competition 
this year there's some amazing barbers opening up some shops i guess i could give a shout out to uh sang with uh throne Corey and mikey who opened up uh they're in the process of opening up brick and mortar um there's some other shops out there there's just some great things coming out in portland in the hair industry right now yeah what is up with that it, it's really fascinating because uh, you know a couple years ago uh, i think maybe during the recession there was this kind of turn to craft industries to to people being like major self-employed uh you know entrepreneurs we we saw this explosion of food carts all over the city we have these pods everywhere of course they're being dismantled and turned into condos now but yeah um it, it kind of seems like the uh, the barber world's going through the same thing like do you have any insight into what the heck's going on is it just the city's just tra- attracting so many innovative stylists you know i think that what you had was um this one barbershop in portland and there was just this uh, very unfortunate turn of events that um maybe the times got a little rough or something and from this you had these phenomenal barbers uh these are the barbers that trained me and they've all now gone out on their separate ways they've partnered up with each other or or whatever they've taken they've all gone off on their own separate ways and so you've got this whole just this like this like flood like i, I think 20 30 plus people and uh you gotta eat and so they've put they've put their skills and their resources towards opening up all these shops around Portland. Portland is just eating it up. It's a great field to be in right now. And uh, I think the end result is that you just you just keep your eyes open because there is just some true talent in the city. And I would love to see Portland being represented at some of these big Vegas hair competitions. Oh, I didn't know they had those. What are those like? I've actually never been, but I've I've watched I've watched uh, a couple of like this little like five second clips and stuff on Facebook. But it looks like there's there's hair conventions, there's competitions, wow. there's um, there's places that just get really famous for doing like you see like those three D designs. Like you'll see like these amazing things of like guys like Kobe Bryant shaved into somebody's head. Or, oh wow! There's just these these guys are. <laughs> these guys are it's it's amazing the amount of time and skill required imagine how interesting it would be if there was like a, a challenge course like of the most tricky heads like a bunch of guys like with my hairline and your task was to come up with the best style to wear that person's um self-esteem rose by at least one point <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that is literally my goal with every haircut that i have because i believe that everybody has in there everybody has the perfect haircut for that moment for that mood for everything that is in that moment i think everybody has the one perfect haircut and uh and I'm not trying to, I don't hope it doesn't sound too cheesy, but that's really what I am trying to yeah, find every time. You've helped me out quite a bit. And, uh, I mean, as you know, I'm obsessed with it. Every time I go in there, I'm like, oh my God, is it time to, you know, go Mr. Clean on you? Or like, what do I do? And, uh, you're always very, um, passionate about, for one, not letting me shave my head yet, but coming up with ways, um, that I can feel a little more comfortable with that uh, hideous mess that I have on the top of my head. It is not that bad, Mike. <laughs> I know. But, the, you know, another thing about this gal, I mean, she she definitely noticed it. She 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 um, 
she asked me why I was always wearing uh, hats around her. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I, I, that's, those were the <laughs> final days of my hair because I, yeah. I shaved my head. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, I started wearing, it was, what was it? It was the, uh, ski caps wearing, wearing beanies in the summer. And like, you're just like this pool of sweat underneath yeah. this thing in the 90 degree sun, but I won't take the beanie off. Cause I don't want you to see my long hair with <laughs> strings, like golem like strands on top. <laughs> and yeah. so finally I just wised up and shaved it. And it took me about a month to get used to it, but I've, I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It looks I haven't totally had a, normal. On yeah. You. I haven't had a bad hair day. I haven't had a bad hair day now in over a year. Yeah, that's excellent. I'm as you say that I'm sitting here looking at my beanie and uh, recalling how I wore it just the other day. Um, but anyways, um, so I I had a moment there to look up the name of the French bakery that's right next to your place, Saint Honoré. Um, Saint Honoré. I yeah. should remember this because I'm yeah. going to be going there every day. Yeah, it is so good. I always get this uh, vegetable quiche that they have. And it comes with a great uh, side salad. Uh, this is a foodie <laughs> show now. <laughs> it's like one of those, uh, I don't know, French mustard, whatever. God. Okay, obviously I'm not a foodie. I just outed myself. But um, their pastries are really good too. They have um, Finn River Cider. Finn River is a cidery near Port Townsend where I come from. So oh. I like to go there and get a glass um, and eat some quiche. And uh, for those who don't know, like that's how I think that's partly how you and I bonded. Yeah, is that we have this fairly deep-rooted Port Townsend connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, I'm deeply embedded with a group of friends, all from PT, and uh, you yourself, your side is that you are from there. Yeah, born and raised. Yes. Hey, you know what's really interesting? This is kind of like a, a side topic, but. Um, our mutual friend Ben Thomas um, he just bought a huge piece of property up there and is starting a new winery and cidery isn't that kind of neat I'm very very excited for him yeah it's amazing for those of you who don't know Ben is the red winemaker at Montenor here in Oregon uh, probably my favorite Oregon winery um, they took second place out of all the wines in the Willamette Valley they took second place and there are a lot of vineyards out there yeah there are tons and once you get into the smaller uh vineyards or people who make wine you know less than 500 cases i mean there's hundreds of people out there i would think um making wine and yeah to take second place is quite remarkable um so yeah that's a little shout out to ben thomas and his uh future setup out definitely, there in definitely. port townsend called uh, arcadia i believe he's going to keep the name um, oh, he's doing great things. Yeah, we'll have to get him back here on the show. Um, and so where can um, people go to learn more about uh, the Badger and Boar? Well, my online presence is uh, growing a little bit each day. I am Badger and Boar. Badger and Boar. Uh, that's my Instagram. You can take a look at the Badger and Boar Barbershop on Facebook and then there is also thebadgerandboar.com. And that is a direct link to my GenBook scheduling account. You can book an appointment with me there. Um, I am still cutting hair from home, $22. Uh, or you could just wait and see the actual shop. 
if, if people are interested and want to get in touch with you, is the website the best way to reach you or is there an email address or do you feel comfortable? Yeah, you probably don't want to give your cell phone number out. There's probably some creeps that listen to this. Well, um, I really, I think, I think one of the best ways is all my contact information is on the Gen Book account. And uh, once again, that is thebadgerandboard.com. And that will, that is just a direct link to my Gen Book. All right, well, Sean, I don't know how we did it, but we got to the end of our time here. We made it through 45 minutes. Are we over now. already? Yeah, I oh, know. Isn't that crazy? There's how that so works? much I wanted to talk about. What else did you want to talk about? <laughs> we'll have you on for uh, another episode. We'll save this all for round two. Yeah, we'll, once your shop is up and running, yeah. um, we'll check in with you and see how everything's going. Um, and if we need to send me and my friends uh, into the shop to get the hair done. That would be great. And yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean uh, Gronick, thank you once again for joining me for the Me and My Friends podcast. And to all those in the listening audience out there, thank you for tuning in. We will uh, be with you again soon. All right. Bye-bye.